Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcasts. Freedom of Species brings animal advocacy to the airwaves. It's a radio program dedicated to raising awareness of issues concerning animals. This includes advocacy, activism, protection, conservation and importantly appreciation. The show is broadcast from the 3CR studios in Melbourne on 855am. You just heard before us, you heard Sally uh, out of the pan. Make sure you check that out, 12 till 1 every Sunday. Um, you can also listen to the episodes at 3cr.org.au. Also, I had Sally on my own podcast uh, recently talking about the LGB Alliance who have, um, yeah, I, I guess uh, we had Sally on to challenge um, this sort of transphobia from this organisation, which is apparently advocating for lesbian, gay and bisexual people, but um, seems to have an anti-trans agenda. So, yeah, you can listen to that at progressivepodcastaustralia.com too, if you're interested. But, yeah, today we are talking about the Liberated Futures Conference. And we've got a full studio, at least we will in a sec when Adam gets here, uh, any moment now. Um, but yeah, I think it is quite important to um, recap the, these kind of events. Uh, I was thinking that uh, when we have conferences, they're quite important time to reflect on where we're going as a movement and, and learn lots of different things. Here's Adam. Um, learn lots of different things. But I think there's so many different reasons why, uh, why people can't make it to conferences, um, issues around maybe disability, maybe the location that you live maybe financial reason there's so many reasons why people can't physically make it to the space so whenever I go along to these conferences I've always got lots of ideas to share but hopefully it's beneficial for people who can't physically make it to these spaces to still get a taste of some of the ideas that were discussed and incorporated into the activism those kind of things uh, before we say more I, I'm Nick Pendergrass hosting today and we've got a full studio so we've got people who um, attended and or spoke at Liberated Futures so first of all we've got Harley who uh, presented the panel connecting animal activism with other movements and also presented the workshop building liberated futures amidst trauma uh, welcome harley thank you we've also got adam who presented the workshop research for animal liberation hey adam Ahoy. and we've also got christian who like me attended but didn't give a talk so yep. welcome christian as well thank you and so, yeah, I guess for context, I, um, I'm from the Institute of Critical Animal Studies, Oceana. And, um, yeah, so I was one of the organisers. Many other people from ICAS and also from Collectively Free Kulin Nations organised this conference, um, Liberated Futures. So I guess before we get into, yeah, some of the key themes and talks, etc., maybe if we just give listeners a bit of background. So maybe if we go uh, from that direction, starting with Harley, um, do you want to talk a bit about what the conference was about or what drew you to the conference, anything like that? Yeah, so um, essentially I first became aware of the conference through Collectively Free and basically for the past nine years, is it? Um, mm. Yeah, the Institute for Critical Animal Studies has been running either, you know, one day or two days conferences or mini conferences to kind of bring in the practice of critical animal studies and connect academics and activists and just people interested in the topics of animal justice and how we can start to break down the oppressive kind of systems that are in existing in our society, particularly those that affect um, other species. So um, when I became aware of this conference, it was when Collectively Free were talking about how important that space was and how they wanted to be able to assist 
ICAS to put on that conference because, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into putting on a, on a conference and it's always easy when you have a big team to do that. So I was really keen to present at this conference because of the theme of liberated futures and this idea of having hope and optimism for a better future rather than just becoming embattled by the realities of the present. So I think the idea of the Liberated Futures Conference was all about how can we work towards this better future? How can we challenge these systems, but how can we create new systems as well that um, are, you know, accepting and embracing of everyone regardless of who they are and and that don't fall into the same traps that our current society does of marginalizing certain groups and certain people so yeah i was really excited about this conference and the possibilities that it held hmm. yeah so i suppose coming from a um a, a scientific background in biological sciences i don't there's not much teaching that is in, in that space that's really around critically reflecting on how we utilise animals or, or relate to animals um, in society, particularly within the sciences. And a few years ago, I learned about ICAS and I've been every year since and it is, um, it's, I've learnt a lot from it. Like I've learnt how um, other parts of academia of the of the academy actually do have this critical thought in their way that they think about animals and how we think about animals in society and it's helped me develop um a really a much better better understanding of how um i approach research um science and animals and i really appreciate that i really appreciate the space that it creates um for thinking about how we how we relate with animals um and that it brings together academics and um, advocates. Um, and I've, I've met some really great people there. I mean, Nick and I met at ICAS uh, in 2016. We'd already met. We'd already met. We? We'd met at Deakin through the Deakin, <laughs> Oh, we had, yeah. And you, told, and you told me about ICAS, Did I think. I? Yeah, there I think that's, that's how it happened. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah. Nick's but, spreading the love. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think it's a, great, it's a great opportunity. I like to go um, to try and also bring other parts of academia into the space, not just humanities and social sciences, mm -hmm. but environmental and biological sciences. And there are often other people there that um, that are from that sort of perspective as well. Mm. I remember meeting you because you knew about my podcast, which is always like a, right. amazing because <laughs> yeah. like you do it like, a bit like this show and you just assume no one's listening and then you meet someone you're like, wow, it's yep. amazing. Someone is listening. <laughs> uh, what about you, Christian? I believe is your first sort of ICAS conference or yeah. ICAS Collectively Free Conference. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I was... Um, this is the first, yeah, the first time, like you said, that I've actually been to one of these, um, and I am not a academic, <laughs> um, like I'm not a scientist, uh, not involved in that field. Um, so for me, it was more um, just sort of going along and getting an idea of um, what it's like, I guess, to see um, the different snapshots of um, how or, or different areas of focus in activism in academia related to animals and advocacy. Um, so very interesting for me and gave me a lot of food for thought in different areas. I like the fact that there was different fields of um, things being different topics being covered from um, like actual street activism through to just general um, how to approach different mindsets like the one about the study on um, the transition transitional model and stuff like that. I like that it was just different things being covered which all feeds into a general the, the general topic. So, yeah, a lot of food for thought. So I was very quiet for most of the day, <laughs> um, sort of unpacking most of it. Mm -hmm. but yeah, very interesting. Yeah, and I think all I'd like to add to that is something that 
definitely was discussed at our meetings when we set up the conference from Collectively Free and also L, who was one of the MCs uh, from Collectively Free, brought up as well um, this idea that, um, yeah, I guess from Collectively Free of wanting to put in at least as much energy into the future we want to create and the positive things that we want, at least as much in, in energy into that as to like the negative things or, or things that we oppose or things that we're not happy with. So I think that is quite an important part of social movement. So, yeah, I think it was an important uh, kind of space. So maybe if we, um, yeah, maybe we'll go the other way, starting with uh, Christian. Is there, is there <laughs> a, yeah, um, is maybe just go through, like, was there a particular talk that stood out to you or anything like that? Um, probably Dylan's one, mm-hmm. right at the very start. Mm-hmm. And also, I mean, a lot of that probably had to do with the fact that it was it was a very big news um, piece at the time. So he talked about um, animal rebellion in the UK um, and the basically, I guess, like the creation of it alongside um, or in the wake of Extinction Rebellion and so on. Um, and I think because I'd already followed that, it had a bit more resonance with me. And it was just interesting to see how that sort of movement was um, created and the, the strategy behind it and so on alongside a sort of a day-to-day sort of blow-by-blow account. Mm-hmm. Just really good um storytelling alongside that as well just mm. very interesting yeah. Um, yeah yeah definitely Dylan is an amazing speaker and we, we really look forward to having Dylan on the show next week to do a whole show on that uh animal rebellion topic and i think there's a lot yeah a lot to say mm. and um yeah with, with harley's going to be there as well and harley's going to get involved with animal rebellion as well um but yeah really look forward to going getting into that in more detail and that was definitely one of my favorites as well what about you adam uh, I actually really probably the thing that I got most out of the um, conference was Harley's session, the mm. workshop that mm. Harley did. Mm-hmm. Um, that really highlighted. So Harley did a workshop where it, it gave everyone the space to 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 just be like there was a mu- So it just broke out for an hour. Um, there was a space for people to rest and relax. Some somewhere for people to um, engage in some music and do play some music and um, sing and stuff. Uh, discussion space and an art space. And it just everyone was there. Everyone was sort of. Um, we've all got very. Uh, we're we're probably there for the same reasons. We want to know about liberated futures. We want to. Um, we've got um, similar similar ideas and whatnot. But it gave gave an opportunity to. Um, to collect ourselves and just be as people mm. with other people who are who have similar ideas and care about a similar future, mm. and I thought that that is something um, that's probably missing within our community a lot. And I'd love to see more of that space be created, space for us, rather than just always having to be doing something, having to be productive, having to be um, solving all of the issues, mm. having time to connect with each other and be be present with each other and. Um, have fun with each other i think mm. fun and humor is something that um that came out as as well so fun and humor and um building relationships just between individuals um as something that's really important to to bring into the um the animal liberation space Mm. And I think that is going back to Dylan's talk as well. That was a yep. yeah really common theme in his talk as well in terms of the idea of bringing fun, humor, parody, uh, music, all these yep. different things in social movements of not always yeah definitely acknowledging there is a place to be kind of serious and sad and stuff. But there's different emotions we can tap into in social movements as well. Mm. Uh, what about you, Harley? Um, I've been thinking as it's been going around, and I think more than any particular talk, there's just a couple of themes mm. that have that really stood out to me that kind of, yeah, played across the whole conference. One of them is that 
idea of fun and humor and lightness and silliness and how we create that space to bring our whole selves into the movement and recognize that this is an ally-led movement and we are humans and while we're trying to struggle against oppressive systems we have to acknowledge that we are flawed and we are just messy and a lot of the time we fuck up god i gotta stop swearing we did that last week as well um anyway live radio yeah gotta love it um clearly i shouldn't be around children at any point in the near future <laughs> I, I mean this is another di- I, I don't see why I don't see why swearing is a problem with children myself but I'm sure anyway see, I, I don't really yes, I, don't I, I, I agree I, with I, that I, I know like, yeah I know yeah. a couple of like really cool parents who do swear in front of their yeah, children yeah, I'm me like too. Yeah. go yeah. for it yeah. but yes anyway <laughs> Apart from my potty mouth, yeah, like so that kind of idea of how do we embrace that messiness and how do we be, yeah, be whole and mm. our whole selves and not just kind of say what is expected and mm. perform this role of being an ally. How do we actually live allyship? Mm. And I think another theme that came up to me as well, which was, yeah, I repeated the Crystallans and in the panel, and I, that is the idea of trust and how important that is and how do we generate trust and how do we create a space where people feel trusted, feel accepted, feel like they can bring their whole selves, but that's what creates like the magic mm. of mm. challenging this system. And I think a third thing, which is really important that I noticed, yeah, kind of playing out in a couple of talks and kind of grappling with a bit is that idea of centering animals, which we have talked about on the show before and what that looks like. And I think I started to see that get beyond just that kind of basic level you know we need to center animals and kind of get into that messy nitty-gritty of what does that actually look like how do we center animals when we aren't we don't belong to the political category that is animal like Mm. as humans we are separate from that even though technically biologically we are animals as well so i think i saw people challenge like that challenging people and yeah going beyond that just you know, we get caught up in saying the same thing and repeating the same thing mm-hmm. and not actually interrogating what what we're saying means. So mm-hmm. I think I saw that catch cry of we need to send to animals start to be deconstructed and I'd love to see that continue to happen more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I wanted to just bring in an example that's not from an animal movement, but just I think we definitely can incorporate similar ideas into animal movements. And Dylan spoke about the ways that's been done with Animal Rebellion. But I recently saw a documentary on the Yes Men. Do any of you know the Yes Men? Yes. Like a parody group. And Fantastic. just one thing that, and we actually have had Ollie, who's from Collectively Free and was there filming the talks and stuff. But um, we have had a talk from Ollie on some of the, all the creative mm. activism from different movements. And some of them were animal, most weren't. But I think we can learn from the other yeah. movements as well. But one particular, uh, thing that stood out to me from the recent Yes Men documentary. I've got, I think I've got about three and there's a recent one, but it was during the Occupy movement, so quite a while ago. But what they did is they all dressed as Wall Street executives. Mm. And so they walked down the street and then the police sort of naturally followed them. So you've got all these guys in suits, all these police behind them. Then only partway through, they reveal this sign and it says bankers and police for the Occupy movement. Yeah. And then all the police are kind of freaking out, like, what yeah. do we do? There's photos and they, they got published in newspapers, all these things like 
bank is in place for the Occupy movement. Yeah. And I, was, I was kind of thinking about that in, in light of um, Blockade Imark, for example. And mm. I definitely, not to say like there's a, there definitely is a place for sort of anger and yelling mm. and like I understand people's anger, but I, I just kind of think about, you know, either instead of that or even as well of that, maybe we could think of those yeah. more creative ways of parodying this stuff as well. Yeah, mm. I'm actually reading a book right now on mm. culture jamming, mm. um, yeah. which it talks about the yes men and mm. stuff. And I'm getting so much out of this book. It's, mm. um, I've got it right now. I can read out the title Go ahead, live yeah. on it. Yeah, okay, Instead cool. Of swearing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely check out the Yes Men stuff and yeah, yes. you can search them up online. They're very, um, they're very like free with information. Like, I think like they don't want to be like the heroes. Like, here are some of the things we've done, here are some of the ways you can do it as well. Go yeah. ahead, Harley. So it's called Culture Jamming Activism and the Art of Cultural Resistance. Mm-hmm. And it's a fantastic book and it has all these case studies and examples of activists who use those creative methods mm. to kind of bring break through the noise of society and really and they do a whole there's a whole essay in it on kind of like media spoofs and mm. they talked about and um have you heard of billionaires for bush yeah i think i have yeah yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> so yeah. that's similar to what the s men did in that mm. where they created like this group which was yeah it was billionaires for bush so they had all people dress up as like billionaires and all that and have all these signs basically supporting like um, when it was like when Bush was up for like re-election, I think it was like um, you know being like we support George Bush because we love like you know how he's giving us more money, and it was just like really <laughs> kind of just taking the piss out of what's happening. So mm-hmm, yeah. yeah, I think that's a really interesting conversation mm-hmm. of how do we bring those elements in. And yeah, and you sort of see it, and and you'll hear it next week um, from Dylan mm. with the um, animal rebellion stuff that they talk about and um mr broccoli yeah, and that, exactly. i think that's a really good example of of culture jamming yeah mm. and i suppose with the the thing the thing about culture jamming and 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 anger in so the alternative which is often how we um we might display our activism or there is plenty of activism that's more angry or aggressive and things like that is that that's a really simple narrative for media to latch onto mm. the aggressive the angry mm. activist mm. the the person that you you're nothing like this the general public because mm. you're not angry you're just mm. going about your day you're working and here's mm. these angry activists who are um just sort of screaming at everyone and mm. it's really unrelatable mm. and um, mm. and if if our advocacy which is the model that most most advocacy at the moment works on is about communication mm. and that's another problem we can talk about in another episode <laughs> um that, that we need to move beyond that but if if a lot of our advocacy is about communication then if we're giving media um who who don't really want to represent us properly and mm. and already don't represent us properly properly um the opportunity to just denigrate us very easily then mm. we need to question that we need to and i think culture mm. jamming is a mm. way of doing that and challenging the way we present ourselves Mm. Yeah, and I was watching that blockade IMARC footage. Uh, and again, obviously the media is representing certain ways and they've probably mm. got a lot of footage and they're showing a little bit. But yeah. I'm just trying to think of like how we can make movements like inviting spaces and something people want to get involved with. And maybe that would appeal to some people, but I think a lot of people like kind of seeing that yelling and stuff might not be inviting. But me, myself, when I see those kind of yes men things, that's something I'm like, yeah, I'd love yeah. to get involved. I'd love that humour. Mm. It's yeah. fun, that kind of yeah. thing as well. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. one thing um, Delan brought up as well is... um taking those spaces where they'd usually be chanting and singing instead and that's just mm. such a simple way of mm. changing that narrative from like deconstructive to reconstructive and mm. stuff and it's just like singing is such a powerful tool to mm. change the vibe of a situation mm. and like mm. yeah. yeah i think uh, yeah Sorry. go ahead oh, i was going to say um, i think is what you're just saying just then about 
how it's um it's almost harder for some people to get involved if they just see that sort of angry face of it. Mm. And I think of myself, like I said, I'm not really involved in like any ongoing activism or anything like that at the moment. But I like if I look at say like a, a particularly angry movement or what I'd say is angry for lack of a better term. Um, and I go, well, that's not really me. Mm. I don't want to be involved in like a march, which I don't really necessarily potentially doing much of anything. If it involves like clashing, like what's it actually going to do? Whereas I look at something which is actually fun or a movement which has a bit more of a sense of community or, or it actually seems to be constructive mm. in terms of building relationships in a positive, proper way mm. and creating conversation rather than destroying conversation because that's often what it seems to be. It seems to be pitting sides against one another rather than actually helping facilitate much of anything mm. um i don't really see that as practical and mm. so if i think of, and my and i would doubt i'm the only one who's like that mm. <laughs> um i think a lot of people who are potentially on the fence or who don't already have a positive view of activism regardless of the field they're going to see something like that and they're going to go mm, is that for me whereas if they see something yeah. fun like you're saying mm. Um, or something that seems a bit positive, well, even if you don't agree with it, mm. you're not going to be left with that same sort of bad taste, <laughs> I think. And, like, yeah. even on a purely strategic level, like, humour is such a great way mm. to subvert authority because, like, yeah, and, like, you know, reading books about social movements and all that, like, there's two ways that humour really is effective. Like, in one, it's so effective at breaking down pillars of, like, power mm. because, like, so in, like, oppressive regimes and stuff, they oftentimes, like, they identify, like the police or, like, the military as being these places of fear and people fear them so they're too scared to rise up. So in a lot of places where they've had, like, you know, revolutions to try and overthrow an oppressive regime, the, one of the first things they do is they try and make the military or the police seem ridiculous. So, like, in one place, I think it was Egypt, actually, what they did was they released thousands of ping-pong balls in the city and it's like really hilly so they rolled down the hill and they all had like liberation messages on them so and the police were ordered that they had to detain every single ping pong ball so there's just this like footage of the police like like keystone cops kind of stuff like police running around trying to herd up these ping pong balls that are like bouncing and then like another time they had like um, I think this was another place. Actually, they had like little recording devices, and they like they recorded um, songs of rebellion, like really famous songs that were banned from being played. So they put these recording devices in like cow shit or in like bins, like rubbish bins. So the police had to like reach inside or like put their hand in like a pile of cow shit to get out these recording devices. And then they like took photos and had videos. So it's just breaking down that fear of mm -hmm. these powers. Mm -hmm. And like the other way, it's a really good way of creating that um, repression backfire because like when yeah. you're looking at a movement, yeah, if there's an like something that seems out of proportion, like if mm -hmm. the police or whoever respond in a way that's out of proportion to what's happening, and that's a really powerful way of getting community support because even people who aren't on your side will look at something and go, that's not fair. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if there's angry protesters yelling and they get arrested, mm -hmm. a lot of people think, well, that's in the public's interest. Mm -hmm. Whereas if there's someone just having a joke and people are laughing and they get arrested, then people are more yep. likely to be like, hang on a sec, mm -hmm. that's a bit weird. Like that yeah. doesn't yeah. seem... Right, like they're just, you know, I'm, I was enjoying that. Like it was yeah. funny. 
Yeah, and that reminds me of the Mr. Broccoli example. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. I'm sure we'll hear more that yeah, more about that next week. We better go to a track, and I think there's quite a good fit. So there's a poem from Betty who finished mm. the conference with this poem, and in in a way, like Betty was kind of saying, this is a little bit like outside of the conference theme because it was kind of more about like opposing what there is. But in a way, I think it also very much fits it and fits what we've been discussing. In that, I think often we have um, we've got a conference, and it's like, okay, you have talks, maybe you have workshops, but like I felt. Um, having this poem, also having Harley's workshop, which um, Adam and Harley have already spoken about. But yeah, this idea of like, we can kind of do almost anything in this space and we can kind of Mm. think outside the box a bit. And definitely I was thinking, um, yeah, whether I'm organizing it or other people organizing something in the future, I think it'd be really great to more formally call for Mm. poems, spoken word, music, like those kind of things. I think it's really good, like other ways to express these ideas, which um, aren't necessarily the norm at the conference. So yeah, we're going to finish with with this poem. No, we're we're going to play this poem from Betty which which finished the conference and then we'll be back after this we want to build we want to grow but authorities keep us broken and low they claim to protect us with a can of mace yet we walk away blinded with a burning face false democracy they tell us we're free until we reject what they say we can be criminals they tell us are those who resist but when people are dying how can we not persist they say what is crime they say protest is banned yet they still run the nation on stolen land Do as they say, and you don't have to fear. But when their laws harm us, we cannot adhere. We see climate change and rising sea. Yet for First Nation people, still no sovereignty. Genocide never ended, and there is no peace. While communities still deal with the racist police. Dismantle the borders, abolish the state. Power to the people, they will not wait. Our movement will come from the roots in the grass. And you will see the uprise of the working class. Don't exploit our convictions to keep status quo. Revolution is coming from down below. We fight against power and hierarchy. the fight will not stop until all are free. Three CRs having a festive season craft auction fundraiser. Join us on Thursday, the 12th of December, for Radio Craft at 15 Smith Street, Fitzroy, right next door to the station. Doors open at 5:30 p.m. To have a look at the works, enjoy a drink at our donation bar, music and snacks. Live auction starts at 7pm. We're still seeking donations of crafts in any of its wonderful forms, so if you'd like to make a donation, you can drop it off at 3CR any weekday between 9am and 5pm. Or email radiocraft3cr at gmail.com for more information. Welcome back to Freedom of Species on 3CR. We are recapping the Liberated Futures Conference, which was recently held in Melbourne about a week ago. And I am joined by Christian, Adam and Harley to uh, give a recap of this conference and discuss some of the key ideas. I wanted to go to um, Harley, first of all, talking about a workshop or sorry, panel discussion that Harley facilitated. This was called Connecting Animal Activism with Other Movements, uh, which I think is quite an important area for discussion. And just one question I had uh, during this panel, which I thought I'd sort of keep quiet about and and bring on this (laughs) platform because I've got other platforms, I guess. But um, one thing I was curious about, and Harley can also, before you answer, you can give some background on the panel if you'd like to say anything more about it. But one question I had was that, um, one issue that Betty, who we just heard from then, raised was that there can be like 
social movements can sometimes be advocating for one cause but can do harm in other areas. Mm. So one example is the Black Panther Party who are advocating for uh, black liberation against racism, um, but there were examples of homophobia and sexism within that movement. I did want to give a disclaimer, definitely not to the same degree, and there were certainly people like Fred Hampton within the Black Panther Party who were doing intersectionality before that was a mm. word. So Fred Hampton was very much for um, creating connections with queer groups and um, working class, like poor white groups and all these kind of things. So he's making those connections. And apparently within his chapters, there was much less of those issues. And mm. there were Angela Davis was involved. She's very mm. much feminist and pro-queer, well-known as a prison abolitionist today. Um, so, yeah, definitely don't want to say the Black Panther movement overall was always like that. But there were elements of that. And obviously, I, I guess that should be challenged. I was just thinking about that in terms of other movements that we might get involved with mm. um, because we support these other movements as well. Um, when do you think is the right time to challenge the species of them within these movements? And mm. when do you think is the right time to say, I'm in this movement for Palestinian liberation or for uh, Indigenous Australians and I'm going to, you know, keep quiet about the animal issues and kind of um, do that, raise that another time. Do you have any thoughts on that? Like when do we challenge mm. the species of them? When do we, um, when do we go, no, I'm just, I, this movement's important in its own right. I'm not going to bring up the animal issue now. Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And I think we've seen it um, quite recently, like with the IMARC thing where a lot of mm. animal groups decided to leave because of a decision to serve animal slash at the event. Um, and, like, honestly, I don't really have an answer, but I do have some thoughts, yeah. which is I think, like, our role as allies means that we should always be challenging mm. speciesism in the spaces that we're in. I think it's not about, like, what, for me, it's not as much about when, it's about how. So I think if we're engaging people in conversation and we're just making sure to always bring up in the space who sh like who's not there and who should be there and whose voices aren't being heard in that space, I think that's something that is just kind of our job, I guess, kind of our responsibility, a bit of like there's a bit of duty attached there to not stay silent. But I think, you know, we can do that in a really productive way and we can do that in a way where it's not um delegitimizing the movement that we're being an ally, you know an ally for as well so yeah mm -hmm. i think adam has something to say and, and an example example of this is um, that often i think comes up at least we've talked about in the past is when um vegan groups might say something like you can't be an environmentalist without being vegan mm -hmm. uh, it's a very um like it, it's a shaming sort of um, position and they'll have these big signs at, at climate rallies um, that suggest this or, and, and it, it creates this, um, this division between mm. people who are um, animal people but also interested in climate action and environmentalism um, and I agree with Harley. I think it's it's just a, it's the way that we approach it. Mm. In those spaces we should always be, well no, we need to be addressing animal issues within yep. climate and environment and our use just in general for ethics and morality um, point of view but we don't need to do it as assholes yeah. we don't need to be going and like pointing in people's faces and saying you're bad blah 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 <laughs> we can we mm. can still be part of the climate movement um and say you know animals are a really important um, part of this and we need to consider animals in terms of mm. climate mm. and environmental action mm. but we don't need to be assholes yeah mm. yeah and i definitely going back to blockade i mark i heard some of the you know executives or like some of the people apart from that conference were like 
you use phones, therefore, uh. that, or, or yeah. you, I heard a new one, you wear clothes. So apparently wow. we're going to be totally nude to protest now as well. But um, yeah, but I, I kind of see that sometimes as vegan activists, we kind of feed into that mm. similar narratives of you're not perfect environmentally, therefore, um, you know, you shouldn't be raising the issues of Adani or the, the need to shift yeah. to renewable energy. Yeah. So I think it's, yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. More productive ways is like, Animal agriculture is an important environmental issue versus you can't be a meat-eating environmentalist, yeah. like raising the issue rather than pointing fingers. Um, anything mm. you want to add to that, Christian? Or? I, just, I just agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, nothing, yeah. nothing really more to add on to yeah. that. Yeah. I think another thing is like going back to talking about creative things, like that's a great way of doing things like that, like bringing mm. creativity into spaces and storytelling as mm. well. So rather than just outwardly like you know having a confrontation where you're like what you're doing is speciesist because a that yeah does create that us versus them but also b like it confrontation is not for everyone and it's kind of a lot to ask that everyone is confrontational and i don't think it's fair but i think you know like bringing in stories into the space and being like you know i know an animal who is affected by this issue or i know of a way that this could hurt someone or hurt lots of people. And I think like bringing those stories into the space and being like, I'm not just talking from a conceptual, like academic level and saying that you don't understand. I'm saying that I see direct harm from what is happening in this space. So I think like with the environmental movement, like as well as talking about the problem of animal agriculture, like also talking about these, like, you know, we share this planet. This isn't a human like humans aren't the only one on this planet and we are not any more inherently worthy than any other species. And I think bringing it from that and being like, you know, I know animals and you would know animals as well who have inherent worth and when we we need to see them as individuals who are suffering as well. So I think bringing in those elements of storytelling and connecting to people on an emotional and creative level is always a, quite a powerful way to be that ally. Mm. Yeah, and no, I was actually listening to... Uh, vegan warriors princesses uh, yeah vegan warrior princesses attack which is a yeah podcast i've relatively recently discovered and and i really like and uh, when we did a recap uh, with harley as well the animal activist forum we spoke about some of their ideas um sort of recapping the animal rights forum which is kind of their equivalent to animal activist forum but in the u.s um or animal rights conference or something like that is called it yeah i thought that a really good reflection of what it was how it was improving what it could be all those kind of things but just one thing they did raise which kind of maybe think about these connections with other movements those kind of things was they were sort of saying oh we're going on about vegan food and meanwhile there's children in cages like referring Mm. to donald trump's immigration and i think sometimes in like progressive intersectional vegan space i think sometimes we kind of we take veganism for granted and then we sort of elevate the other forms of oppression Mm. and it's kind of like um yeah like in that case i'm like yeah like obviously talking about vegan food itself isn't that political but for me veganism is connected to opposing animals in cages and the oppression of animals and like that is important just as the you know imprisonment of children who are coming there for immigration is mm. and so yeah I do, do you feel like sometimes that like, I guess with that discussion sometimes there's this idea of like oh of course we're all vegan in these spaces and the, these other things are important and we kind of forget about the animals to yeah. an extent yeah yeah, yeah. any <laughs> okay yeah any anyone to add to that or yeah I, I I think that's I think that's true and I think I think we um, saw that on the panel actually when we were talking when it was talking about um, we were talking about what is liberated futures, and there was a lot of um, a lot of ideas, sort of intersectional ideas, coming in um, and talking about total liberation. That there were questions about whether we are 
no longer centering animals and whether we need to be we need to remember that um, as an animal movement and an animal group we also we need to make sure that we are centering animals because there's not a lot of people out there talking or talking for animals or mm. um, about animals and I suppose another another related um, point about this is is when you do get things like IMARC the, the um, issue about, about IMARC it, it, it's because animals the, the issues with animals are um, minimised compared to human issues mm. of, you know, social justice towards Indigenous groups. Mm. And they're elevated, that, that form of um, oppression mm. is elevated above, above the oppression of individuals who are being killed to mm. produce that food. Mm. And mm. I think that becomes a really tough space and we don't really address that very well. Like mm. it, that, those conversations often get shut down because people fear being called racist or, yep. or something. Mm. And I think that's something that our movement is struggling with at the moment, yep. that we're not able able to have tough conversations because mm. we're, we're, uh, we fear being labelled um, as anti-social justice or yeah. something like that. Mm. And we're struggling to sit with discomfort, I think, as well. Like, you know, yeah. that topic is a really uncomfortable one. And, like, you know, yeah. even when you just started talking about it then, I felt like that, oh, shit, in my mm. stomach of, like, ah, yeah. oh, that's so uncomfortable. But it's like we, if we don't have those tough, uncomfortable conversations, then we're never going to move forward as a movement and we're going to, you know, all just all become great social justice for human advocates mm. and animals and aren't going to have anyone mm. fighting for them and making sure their voices are being heard and that's not fair. Mm. Or, yeah. or the people who are fighting for them are really problematic. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes, and that's not what we want. No. Yeah. no, yeah, and I think it's just in my mind, I went to a, a refugee, like fundraiser for refugees last night, a uh, comedy debate, which is uh, not a comedy debate, a comedy show, like a comedy mm. fundraiser, yeah. and I think that incorporates a lot of the things we're discussing, but I was just trying to think of like animals and stuff because there was no vegan food at all at the event. Mm. Oh, wow. Um, and they were talking about how popular the, la the lamb sandwiches were, and I was kind oh. of thinking about yeah. that idea so they had um, basically one um, meat like sandwich ish thing and then one vegetarian so i'm thinking maybe the lamb sold out because some vegans didn't eat the food at all maybe mm. but um yeah just this idea of of like people not making their connection i'm sure some people are some people definitely would be at that event but this idea of like um yeah just sort of almost like just celebrating the oppression of animals while you're you know who are caged and confined and these kind of things while you're speaking about refugees being you know caged and confined and stuff and mm. yeah obviously hope people make those connections and some definitely are but uh, yeah sort of when to sort of raise that but yeah. um i wanted to bring in adam's workshop mm -hmm. as well do you want to talk a bit about um your workshop or just this this new idea of um research for animal liberation you're trying to get going yeah well i suppose um I've, I've, for for a while now i've been trying to figure out where my place is within um the animal liberation movement and i don't i've, I've tried some of the you know the street activism and advocacy and stuff like that and um and I like it all, but it, I'm not sure it's my place. And I, a friend a couple of years ago said to me, you know, do, do what you're good at. Do mm. what you love. Mm. I suppose what I'm good at and what I love is research. And I do that in my job. Um, and I'm trying to think about if, we are actually, if we're thinking about systematic change for animals, animals are in mm. every part of our society. Mm. Every system within our society uses animals, utilises animals in some way, in a problematic way. Mm. And if we're actually going to have systematic change at a global level, we, we've got a ton of work to do. Mm. It's like climate change. It's as big or bigger than that sort of issue. It's everywhere. Mm. And to do that, to really think about how do we, from the, from the macro 
global level, how do we remove animals from our industry and our lives, to the micro, like in this town that is predominantly 70% of their economy is dairy production, Mm. Mm. how do we transition that town to non-dairy production? How do those Mm. people live? How do those Mm. people exist without dairy? Mm. And I think we need both um, really applied applied research around the actual mechanisms of transition away from animals and social research around what that does to communities and people who have such strong associations with animals um, as, as users of animals. Um, and I don't think we do that very well at the moment. I think people uh, do research. So in, in the academy... Research is often atomized and um, isolated between each other. So, you know, Nick's a social scientist and social scientists do lots of good work in critical animal studies, come over to environmental science and, um, and biological science. Criti- thinking critically about animals is nowhere... It's very... It's like 1% of the population of <laughs> environmental and biological scientists are thinking critically about how we relate with animals. And I think that we need to bring research ideas together especially people who are um, vegans and and animal liberationists and think about how do we actually do how do we maximize animal liberation um, using research how can we use research to help advocacy activists and animals um, achieve animal liberation Um, so it's sort of like it's like other values um, values informed research um, like Medicine. Medicine's a values-informed research where we're doing research to try and help humans survive longer and not mm. be sick. Mm. Or um, conservation. Conservation is a values-informed re- piece of is values-informed form of research where um, we want to achieve a more sustainable, quote, sustainable world. Mm. So we're doing research to achieve that. I want mm. research for animal liberation. Mm. Values-informed research where we want to create a better world for animals mm. how does research help us do that mm. mm-hmm. that's yeah. that's really the idea that i'm trying to and and just a side note because maybe listeners um aren't aware of how research works and stuff i've mentioned this to some people in in my world in the research world and i get i get warned very um strongly to sort of be careful about this this mm. the talking about this sort of thing could they basically say um this could ruin your career mm. as a researcher mm. so it might sound really basic. It might sound really simple, but it's it's in in my area. It's quite a radical idea, and mm. I think it's going to take a long time to to develop. Mm. But I figure we we get on with it. Mm. Yeah, and and I think you know ICAS and and collectively free these kind of spaces are quite quite good in terms of bringing this academic research to activists and hoping they can learn from it. And also, you know, I think we have. Um, successfully created a space where activists feel comfortable coming along and speaking as well. You don't have to have a doctor mm. in front of your name to speak at these conferences as well. And um, and just on that, on, yep. and academics learn from activists. Exactly. Mm. So that's yep. really missing in, in academia. Yeah, and mm. I think that is uh, one of the key principles of ICAS is learning from and with activists. And I think that crossover is, is kind of what it's all about. And I was kind of thinking about like researchers in a way like, you know, I, I don't think that activists can't, 
possibly come up with the kind of stuff I come up with, but it's more about me having that privilege of being able to do this mm. as my job and having that time. Whereas activists might go out and do their activism and then get back to doing work um, completely unrelated to animal activism, you know, to pay their bills and that kind of thing, and then get back to activism. There can be this lack of time. So I think, yeah, I don't think active, uh, academics are particularly special, but I think we do have that privilege of, of yeah, being able to spend more time on this stuff than activists. And so I think it is really important to, to share that information and um yeah hopefully it's useful in some cases at least yeah mm, yeah um oh you're pretty special <laughs> um but no one thing i really enjoyed about adam's workshop was a concept that was kind of raised at the start which was kind of breaking down that stereotype of what research like what a researcher is just asking like questions of you know do you like you know increase your knowledge on topics are you invested like do you, are you a researcher and kind of that thing and what was evident like from just you know hands up and that is that there were so many people in that space who were like when they thought about it, they were like yeah actually I am a researcher and they weren't academics they didn't you know, have a doctor in front of their name they some of them weren't at university or they were you know but they had invested in gaining mm. knowledge about animal justice and about building that liberated future so I think in a way like a lot of animal allies are researchers because they're interrogating ideas and they're you know communicating ideas and I think that's really important to remember as well that you don't have to necessarily have that you know university backing to be a researcher Mm. Mm. I think as well what really appealed to me about Adam's workshop was it was very much like he's saying about systematic change and it was sort of um there's a practical element and focus to it and to me as a as an outsider (laughs) um I like the fact that there's a an element of um, practicality and utilitarianism mm. to this is what this is trying to do, this is what it's trying to solve for, how can we actually begin moving the pieces towards uh, a liberated future for animals, basically. Um, and I think that even to link it back to the previous topic of uncomfortable conversations, I think me going in or me looking at activist spaces is often I see it as... This is, this is just my view. <laughs> um, looking in, sometimes I see it as a lot of noise, but I can't see the plan. I can't see mm. the practicality. I can't mm. see the strategy or what the steps are. Mm. And that was another reason why I liked Alain's on because he laid out this is the strategy that Animal Rebellion was taking. There was, mm. They could actually see it. But I think for a lot of people, that isn't always visible. Mm. Um, and if it's not visible for me, who's a vegan who does actually follow this, then what's it like for the general public, mm. for, for lack of a better way of putting it? Um, and so... I think sometimes to link the other topic as well, where there's potentially like this um, sort of going back and forth between different social justice issues or there's almost a lot of noise rather than there is potentially planning. There's a lot of debate about what are we doing, who are we, which is very like very important regardless of whatever um, cause you're fighting for. But I still think always there needs to be some kind of practical plan, practi- practical steps as to what you're trying to accomplish because mm. otherwise you're sort of churning your wheels. Mm. That's mm. just me as a yeah. <laughs> as yeah. a viewer. So that's why I really think it's really important to have these sort of um, systems or bodies in place which actually begin a transition, like an actual transition um, program, for lack yeah. of a way of putting it. I think mm. it's really important. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think that is one key thing that ICAS is about is breaking down that dichotomy between academics and activists. And I guess the flip side of that is that, you know, 
academics can engage in activism and that's a positive thing i certainly know from, for myself writing a phd about the animal movement being a part mm. of that movement i believe enriched the thesis rather than sort of made it mm. no longer valid or anything like that and also i know like to give the example of harley who i believe is not in academic spaces right now probably does a lot more reading on social movements than i do i would imagine who's <laughs> yeah, an academic yeah. in this area so yeah i think we yeah definitely like Ac ac um, activists can do sort of academic-y things and academics mm. can do activist-y things mm. and there can be a lot of crossover as well. We get a better go to another track, but I wanted to mm. just give Harley a chance to say anything else because I I've picked this track basically um, inspired by Harley's workshop. So was there anything else you wanted to say about either what was in the, I know Adam's kind of touched on it, but what yeah. inspired this workshop or anything like that before we go to this track? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it was called Building a Liberated Future Amidst Trauma, which was a working title that ended up being used. So, you know, <laughs> it was a bit long, but that's okay. Um, and basically uh, my idea was that I wanted to talk about trauma and I've been going through a process lately where I've unearthed kind of a lot of trauma in myself and kind of started to accept that and realize that about myself. And I wanted to acknowledge that and also try and have a conversation about how we can move forward as a society when there is so much trauma in this world, like for pretty much everyone. And it started off as I was like, oh, you know, I'll just do a normal talk. And then I was like, oh, maybe I'll do some little activities. And then I don't know, I just I just thought about it quite a bit. And I was like, well, the main thing I've learned about trauma from my experience is that you can hear as much as you want. And it doesn't really help. Like mm. you can learn as much as you want. I've done so much reading. But really what helps is just healing and you need time to heal and you need space to heal. So I decided to try and create a space for healing and that's yeah like as adam said like i had some rest zones i had conversational zone i had my mum, who's a visual artist facilitating an art making session and i had like just had a guitar and you know people had like a sing-along and it was just this space to be and exist and not try and fix anything because what i've realized as well is that trauma can't be fixed mm -hmm. it's always going to be with you and it's about accepting it and being supported to deal with it because you're never going to get rid of it um, so it was just, yeah, trying to create a space where people could have some peace and heal and just be messy and be broken and have that be okay. So, yeah, I think it was it was a bit of an experiment, but I think it worked really well. And I'd really like to see or facilitate more of those sessions in the future because it just created a really nice space where people, yeah, seem to embrace that opportunity to just be and, you know, sing and make art and yeah it was really beautiful actually mm. yeah. yeah really important issue and yeah really creative way he did i thought it was great and so this song is by frank turner it's called get better and it was, i think it's, it's all about recovering from mental health issues recovering from tough times that kind of thing so i thought it was a relevant one to play mm -hmm. so this is frank turner with get better i got me a shovel Yeah. They threw me a whirlwind 
This is David Rovix, and you are tuned to 3CR, 8.55 a.m., Melbourne, Australia. Step three is finding there's a tactic when everyone believes it could be true. That if all the people work collectively, there just might be something we can do, and everything can change. Welcome back to Freedom of Species. You're listening to the last few minutes of the show. Uh, We're recapping the Liberated Futures Conference with Harley, Adam, and Christian. And yeah, we're going to just give a few plugs at the end, maybe some closing thoughts if we have time. But I just want to mention just a few links for anyone who wants to look into anything more about uh, anything we discuss. So um, yeah, you can find all these links at freedomofspecies.org. If you're listening to this after the fact, if you're listening to this live, you can go to Freedom of Species Facebook and Twitter. On Twitter, we're at FOS Radio and search us on on, on Facebook. And I've also put uh, these links up there. So you can watch videos from the conference. There was Facebook Live videos of most of the talks so you can check them out they'll be in the notes and on our social media um also uh, yeah adam if you do you want to give a shout out for your twitter and email and stuff do you want to mention that for researchers for animal liberation if anyone's oh, in touch yeah, yeah. yeah anyone... not just in general you're like <laughs> okay i guess <laughs> we'll contact yeah. me yeah um yeah anyone wants to get in touch around research for animal liberation i'd love to hear from you um and you can uh, go, jump on Twitter at, at A Cardellini, C-A-R-D-I-L-I-N-I. Maybe Nick can put it in the show I, notes. It is in the notes. Yeah. Okay, yep, cool. Yep, um, yep, yep. Yeah, and yes, shoot me a message on, on Twitter. I'd love to get in, in touch. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, and you can also like the organisers of, of the event. So for ICAS, you can search us, Institute for Critical Animal Studies Oceana on Facebook. You can also like Collectively Free Cooler Nations. And they definitely don't just do conferences like this, but also have activist events you can get involved with. We've had them on the show before. You can also follow ICAS on Twitter at ICAS Oceana. And I particularly recommend signing up to our ICAS email list so you don't miss anything if we're doing future conferences. So all of those links are in, again, free of species.org as well as on um, social media 
Um, yeah, I'm just trying to, yeah, I guess we're pretty much running out of time, but um, just a quick um, plugs for us. You can contact us, info at freedomofspecies.org. Um, yeah, and we're one to two every Sunday. I did want to just give um, a quick mention that next week will be our final show of the year. So as we mentioned many times, we're going to have Dylan and Harley uh, talking about Animal Rebellion UK. Um, yeah, we've got a minute or so. Um, do you want to just give any, anything more you want to say about uh, Animal Rebellion, Harley, or any little teasers for that, that uh, show? <laughs> um, yeah, it should be a good show. So mm. Dylan has been volunteering um, full-time with Animal Rebellion for the last three months, and mm. I am about to move over there to work with them full-time mm-hmm. for who knows? <laughs> um, so I'll be working on story for them and mm-hmm. Delam was working on media and communications. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it'll be a good show to just have a talk about why we both have decided to drop everything mm-hmm. and move our whole lives to the UK to be part of this group because, as we know, there's great stuff happening in Melbourne. So mm. if you're interested in what made us make that choice to invest in this organization then definitely tune in and yeah we'll have a great discussion about why it seems so important yeah so that will be our final show for the year and then after that we'll be taking about a one month break from the show to give us all a bit of a break we've we've spoken about burnout on the show quite a bit so i guess (laughs) trying to practice what we preach in that regard and and um yeah take a bit of a break um so yeah we're going to finish up um oh before i should mention that we should um mention stay tuned for psychedelia lots of interesting discussions around uh, drug use drug policy um yeah all those kind of things so check that out stay tuned if you're listening live if you're listening after the fact you can find at 3cr.org.au uh, but we're going to finish up with a track which relates to climate change because yeah that's kind of what animal rebellion are focused on bringing our animals into that issue so the final track is going to be citizen fish meltdown and yeah before we get to that I want to thank everyone for coming in I really enjoyed the discussion so thanks to you all for coming in today thanks for having me and we'll finish up with some citizen fish and we'll be back next week oh, once upon a time this is almost true when the sun came out for a day or two Top of the news, this'll make no sense in 2102. Well, the antique show where the rivers once flow, when the ground remembers I've been no sun down at all. And waterfalls! Where did the waterfalls go? Well, 
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.